Hello, I'm Roger Baker, Executive Director of the Stratfor Center for Applied Geopolitics at RAIN. This podcast is brought to you by RAIN Worldview, the premier digital publication for objective geopolitical intelligence and analysis. Find out how RAIN can help you stay ahead of global events at rainnetwork.com. Welcome to Rain's Essential Geopolitics Podcast. I'm Ryan Boll, in for Emily Donahue this week, here with Matt Orr to talk about his upcoming piece on Worldview that discusses the war in Ukraine. Thanks for joining me, Matt. Hey, Ryan. It's great to be here. So let's start from the top. What is happening right now on the front lines? What's the tactical updates? And, and why have negotiations seemingly stopped between the two sides? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the tactical situation on the ground is really fascinating. Uh, we've entered, you, we, we might not feel it yet, but we actually have entered a new phase of the war uh, of, of a different magnitude, almost akin to when Russia withdrew its forces from the, the north of Ukraine. Basically, uh, the, the, the front line has become very stagnant. Uh, the Russians conducted their offensive uh, in the Donbass area, but basically that offensive uh, ground to a halt uh, and then as the Ukrainians prepared uh, their own counteroffensive uh, in the Kherson area, Russia decided to disperse its troops that it had accumulated in the Donbass and, and essentially take a more defensive posture. Uh, the Russians have poured troops uh, into the Kherson area, and that quickly kind of dispelled a lot of this talk of a Ukrainian uh, counteroffensive that had started cropping up in the Western press. Uh, so that really looks outside of the cards right now as the Russians move to enforce that area very steadily. Basically, I think Russia's calculation was that they said, well, look, if the Ukrainians are going to you know, concentrate their forces so much to defend the Donbass, and if the Russians, despite their force concentration, couldn't make much prog- progress there, uh, the Russians basically you know, are, are going to try to call the Ukrainians bluff and say, okay, fine, then we'll, we'll actually continue to, to threaten your flanks uh, and force uh, the, the Ukrainians to, to call off uh, any of their other uh, initiatives. And now it's actually the Russians who are once again threatening these very important Ukrainian cities uh, in the south, of course, places like Mykolaiv. And then even in the north, there are fresh Russian troops that have been actually sitting in Russia and are leaving the Donbass and now are once again threatening other Ukrainian uh, cities. Remaining Ukrainian forces in the Donbass in uncomfortable position uh, because they're not necessarily needed there at this time. But if they leave, then, of course, that puts this key area that Russia wants once again under the chopping block so to speak. Uh, regarding negotiations, um, I mean, the, the short answer to that is that uh, both sides are not willing to make uh, painful uh, uh, concessions at the negotiating table, and both sides uh, uh, appear to indicate that, uh, that that their position will be strengthened uh, as the conflict uh, you know, just uh, continues on. Uh, and at this point, it's very clear that we are settling in for a, a, a years-long uh, conflict, at least as it looks to me. So if we're thinking about this in terms of a, of a longer conflict, years long, as you said, uh, what are some of the basic arguments that a lot of folks are making or that you are making uh, about why a long-term conflict might actually favor uh, Ukraine? Yeah, that, that's a the great question. You'll, you'll see versions of this argument, of course, within Ukraine and within the, the, the Western press. And that, that's very important for the Ukrainians, right? They need to have a vision of victory because they correctly assess that a lot of Western support uh, is premised on, not on you know just a, a, allowing a, a weak a weakened Ukrainian state to to survive, but for the Ukrainians to actually uh, achieve something uh, something that can be called 
a strategic victory uh, when, when all this ends. And, and there are several you know, arguments that, that uh, point to this possibility. The biggest among them is that now the Ukrainians are, are, are receiving a steady flow of NATO weaponry. Uh, of course, that was not really the case uh, before the war uh, started, where you know Western military support for for, for Kiev was uh, rather minimal. It stepped up only in the in the weeks leading up to the invasion. Now we're seeing just an, you know an, an unprecedented level where we're seeing you know complex systems, uh, artillery. Uh, things of that nature, heavy heavy equipment is coming in, and the the thought is that with time, um, eventually that NATO weaponry will give the Ukrainians uh, enough firepower to not only deter further Russian attacks but actually go on their own uh, strategic uh, counteroffensives. Um, of course, what aid what will aid them in this is that uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin has has repeatedly declined to declare more uh, uh, stringent uh, uh, mobilization me- measures and get more Russian soldiers to the front. Um, a lot of people might not, not might not actually realize it, but Russia's biggest constraint right now continues to be a manpower shortage, not necessarily a an equipment shortage, although equipment is also a problem for them. They're, they're economizing certain systems, and they're going to have to continue uh, to do that, and that ne- doesn't necessarily bode well for their ability to defend uh, against an eventual uh, Ukrainian counterattack if, if they're not willing to mobilize and get more uh, troops uh, to, to the front. The other key kind of element that the Ukrainians would, would cite in their favor is, of course, the, the Western sanctions on Russia. Uh, the hope is that, of course, if the, these sanctions ha- have not done much, if, if at all, to uh, damage Russia uh, 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 now now or in the coming months, eventually, if, if we start talking to 2023, 2024, 2025, etc., uh, the the effect and damage of sanctions uh, uh, could lead could cause enough damage to Russia's civilian and military economy to m- make the war less popular, unsustainable, etc. Uh, and, and of course, if, if if Russian President Vladimir Putin's uh, popularity and support for the war is falling, as it already is, um, then that could combine to create a, a a window of opportunity for the Ukrainians where. The Russians basically just say, well, the costs of continuing the, the war at its current stage are not worth it, and so that therefore uh, we, we should de-escalate or, or leave Ukraine, leave parts of Ukraine, uh, etc. So that is kind of the argument for why this might favor the Ukrainians, but what's the opposite argument, that, that a longer war actually favors the, you know, the bigger country, Russia? Yeah, uh, I think that the, the 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 argument that the long term factors uh, favor Russia is actually a little bit stronger, uh, if not significantly stronger. We we have to remember that um, the, the Ukrainians don't really have an ability to to counterattack uh, to to do meaningful counterattacks for the coming months. And, and there's a there's a growing opinion that the 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 front line is going to become increasingly stagnant. And if the front line becomes stagnant in its current current place, as it looks quite likely. That's absolutely devastating for, for the Ukrainian economy. Uh, the, the current front lines, of course, give Russia control over the mouth of the Dnieper River and a long stretch of it. Uh, you know, the Dnieper is so critical for the Ukraine's economy. Uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a lifeblood that allows, allows goods to come up the river towards Kiev, the capital, and, of course, downriver to be exported to international markets. And now Russia, you know, con- controls that river, and that's, that's so damaging for them. And so we have to remember that, you know, Russia is, is doing a lot of damage uh, to Ukraine. The, the people are fleeing Ukraine. Ukraine's economy is, is supposed to contract by something like 30 to 40 percent this year. 
and if you have all these people leaving the country, then it's unclear how uh, the, the, the country's economy can, can really recover in a meaningful way. That basically means that uh, the, the Ukrainians are going to be beholden to Western uh, military support, of course, and uh, additionally financial support just to keep their country uh, uh, running uh, in kind of a basic way and to prevent a, a complete collapse uh, of living standards. And I think that the Russians' uh, calculation is that uh, when you when you combine with other factors contributing to war fatigue in the West, including their you know domestic uh, uh, politi- uh, political and economic problems in Europe and the United States, uh, that a lot of, of Ukraine's Western backers will go, you know, well, why are we spending so so many so much of our resources to uh, support uh, the Ukrainians if our support will never actually allow them to uh, get strong enough to to change Russia's position? At the negotiating table, and so uh, this leads to a dynamic where I think that uh, the Kremlin thinks that they can essentially take the gains that they have right now, uh, hold out, and, and let time kind of work in their favor. So basically, the, the bottom line is that both both sides seem to think that time that there is a way that the future will work out better for them, and what that really means for the near to midterm is that uh, the, the conflict is definitely going to, to grind on. There was originally these hopes about some sort of a de-escalation uh, starting this winter, but it, it, it appears to me that that's becoming increasingly unlikely. Well, I'm sure you'll be keeping a close eye on both the tactical and the strategic developments of this ongoing war in Ukraine. Thanks for joining me, Matt. I'm Ryan Bull. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.